Welcome back to Building a Fighter. My name is Alex Friedman. I'm a strength coach out of Denver, Colorado. With me, as always, Austin Shane, sports chiropractor in Scottsdale, Arizona. And today, we're going to talk about the five things that you're missing in your Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu training. Five things that you can add to your game, add to your training schedule. They're going to do nothing but enhance your competitive game, your longevity in the sport, and your just ability to train overall. So, Austin, what was that first thing? So we're going to start sports specific. I think this is the most important thing to stepping your game up. Um, the more that I've done jujitsu and just wrestling my whole life, it's drilling. Drillers make killers. And it's way more fun to flow roll. It's way more fun to live roll. I get that. But if you actually want to get better at something, you need reps and you need targeted reps. It all comes from intention, right, Alex? Like it's you need to get better at a certain skill. Well, guess what? You need to train that certain skill. If you're not drilling the arm bar that you want to finish in a competition, you're not going to finish it in a competition, no matter how many times you just flow roll and get into that position, right? So you need reps on reps on reps on reps on reps. And while it is boring, you need to be a driller. Drillers are the one that win. Yeah. And I, I think there's this huge stigma like in a jujitsu culture is like one drilling does get repetitive and boring for sure. Um, but two is like we want to skip to thinking our, of ourselves as high level. That's especially the pitfall all I found myself in. It was like when I started wrestling, I drilled everything nonstop. And that's mostly because my coaches made me or whatever. But now that you know I'm adult, I want to always skip my vegetables and go straight to the mm -hmm. full row and the, the training. Right. So getting in those hours of just drilling and repetitively hitting the move is really important as a foundation and early on. Now, I'm with uh, Ben Askren. He had a conversation with Lex Friedman about this on the uh, Lex Friedman podcast. But Ben Askren said, now, once you get to a certain level, your drilling starts giving you diminishing returns. Mm -hmm. And while I agree with that, I think it still should be a foundational piece all the way through, you know, your brown belt days. And even then, you can still drill as maintenance to whatever specific tactical advantage you're working for. So I think drilling has to be an integral piece throughout your brazilian jiu-jitsu training and then even more so you know in your white belt through purple belt stages well i've talked about it ad nauseum on this podcast that you got to be a cook before you become a chef and that's that's literally what this is yeah. if if you don't know the steps in the sequence then you can't start freestyling out of nowhere. If you're a white belt, even me, I've wrestled since I was six. Even me as an elite, like I would consider myself an upper level grappler. I can't just jump into jujitsu and start flow rolling and think I know what the fuck I'm doing. Cause I don't, I need to know the steps first. I can't just make up things. And that's what you need to do. If you want to get better, you need to know the steps in the cookbook before you start adding in your own flair to things. And it bugs me a lot because I see, I see it a lot with wrestlers that come into jujitsu that they think that, oh man, I've wrestled my whole life. I, I can do this. I, I can just start flow rolling. I can go live, bro. I did that with our pro team. When I started three years ago, I got choked out like 15 times in one practice just because I thought that I could just start going. Mm -hmm. that, that's not how this works. It's a, even though it's still on a mat and it's grappling, it's a completely separate sport and you need to get good at the basics of that sport. Like I didn't know what a frame was for the first three years. Legitimately. <laughs> I didn't know the term frame. I, I, people were saying it and I'm like, yeah, sure. But now oh that I know what, like now that I know what a frame is, it makes more sense. I can, I can move better. I can use my inherent grappling skills to work in certain situations. But if I don't know the basics, if I don't know how to frame up and posture and move around like a jujitsu athlete, then I can't just start flow rolling and expect to get better. 
I'm not going to get better. I'm just going to continue to stay the same and get a, I guess a good workout, but that's it. That's such an Austin reaction. Austin frame. Oh yeah. I got you, man. Yeah. I'll put that frame. Yeah. Nod and smile, nod and smile. (laughs) And then I just keep doing what I'm doing. What in the world? Um, but no, my my current professor, uh, Professor Busy at Factory X, Mario Carrera, um, he articulated this really well for you know the high level grappler that wants to just transition right into jujitsu. It's like the reason that there's a difference between a, a purple belt and a black belt is a purple belt will see three, four steps before they can what, say whatever, like pass them out, right? Mm-hmm. Purple belt sees those three or four steps, and then the black belt sees like. 21 22 different steps and moves to get to that same position but it's a lot more secure i would say drilling is your key piece into securing your position and being able to execute it at a higher level right you can skip those one or two or you can scramble and roll really fast with the lower level guys perhaps you're going to get them sure but if you've ever been in a role and you're like man, I'm hitting all my positions. Why can't I secure anything? Why can't I hold this person down? Or like, why do their frames and their uh, guard keep getting me? It's like, it's because you're not taking the appropriate number of steps. Maybe you're not even aware of the steps that you need to take. And that's where drilling can really aid you in your progression. Because to see those steps, to know that they're going to be there, to have them on autopilot is going to come from that raw material that is drilling. Again, as we keep saying, like drilling is not your ultimate key to success, but it has to be an integral piece of knowing where your next step or your next move comes from. So it, it, it's more or less downloading the raw data before we can start to apply it in different contexts, which is, again, gets to your higher level of performance. Well, it allows you to take risks, too, is yeah. if if you don't know that you can be successful in a position, then you're not going to take a risk unless you're a a wild man. Like some people just take risks out of nowhere, but for the most Mm -hmm. part, you have to be prepared before you take risks. That's why people say like purple belts and competition are just fucking crazy. They just go out there and typically those are the most fun to watch because they're just going to throw up a flying triangle and say, Hey, fuck it. Let's see if it works. Right. Right. But if you don't know the steps to throw up a flying triangle, you're not going to do it. So, you need to be able to drill. You need to be able to get the steps down and then you feel more comfortable taking rip or risks. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things that to be prepared allows you to be dangerous. It's I've had it before where I've talked in front of people and I, I, I didn't go over my line. Like I didn't go over my lines. I didn't, I'm just like, fuck it. You know what? I'm a show pony. Cause I am like, typically it's okay. <laughs> and then I went out there and I just fumbled the bag because I, I didn't understand what I was saying, I just started like freestyling and my freestyle just ended up being just droning on. It's because I didn't prepare prior. It's the exact same thing. If I don't prepare prior, I'm not going to be able to successfully take a risk and go out there and show what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. That's what drilling does. It's the preparation. It's the preparation to allow you to then go ball out in competition. It's it's what takes you from a white belt, blue belt to a purple belt. And then onward, like Alex is saying, that's what gets you to black belt is being able to understand and articulate Because again, guess what? The best coaches are the ones that drill because they know the steps. If you don't know the steps, you can't convey the steps to another athlete or to another jujitsu practitioner. You need to be able to understand the movement and then convey it in a digestible manner to the people in front of you. And if you can't do that, then you're a, you're not a good coach, (laughs) but, but B, you don't actually know what's going on yourself. You just, your body inherently does it, but your mind doesn't know what's happening. Right. And that's, um, that's why teaching 
helps you become such a better competitor because you mm-hmm. get another angle and a more in-depth look at those small, tiny little steps and how to teach something really enhances your understanding of how to do it. And it's, it's great because it's almost subconscious. It's not like you go into your role and now you think, Oh, how did I teach this? It's like you go into your role and you inherently are going to do some of those smaller, more um, important pieces because now as you've taught it, you know that those are the important pieces, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why teaching is such a great, um, progression tool as you go on in your career. And that's why I really love the jujitsu model of like, once you're like a brown belt or, or a purple belt, even like you start teaching classes, right. That's going to do nothing but help your, your own progression. Um, branching off from that though, I, I think that's important to recognize, but then also how would we practically integrate our drilling into our, our training for sport? And I think one of the ways to do it, and this is like the least, um, costly way is when you're at practice, right? Your first 30, 45 minutes is typically a new technique, new something. Like I think a lot of jujitsu gyms can use that time a lot more effectively. So yeah, I mean like when coach breaks, you slap the mat, you get ready to go, like get, get 40 or 50 reps in, man. Like I, again, that was one of the biggest culture shifts as you go from wrestling to jujitsu wrestling. When the coach says go drill, you you're on it. You get, you know, three, four minutes and you're expected to get 30, 40 reps. Right. In a jujitsu gym, a lot of people like to talk about the movement. I don't quite feel it this way. I don't quite feel it that way. What coach did is so smooth. Why can't I do it so smooth? Coach did it smooth because he's repped it a thousand plus times. Right. So it's like mm-hmm. when you break out to go get those drilling or that like new movement down, drill it, drill it, drill it, drill it. And even if you're a, a coach, stay on the same system. I know it gets boring, but stay on the same system for, you know, weeks or, or a month at a time. The more reps you can get, the more automatic it becomes. Like that's where you see coach, like we did, uh, we did reaps. Um, when you're on the ground, your opponent's standing up and you reap your foot in. And I was like, I was like kind of hooking the leg and it was taking me a little, and I was like, this move is just awkward, man. Like, and instead of thinking like, Oh, this might not be for me. This feels awkward, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, I have to rep it to make it as smooth as when coach does it, right? The more you rep Mm -hmm. it, the easier and the more smooth it's going to get. So the term grooving the pattern really applies. And back to my original point, how do we practically implement this into our training? Use your practice time more effectively. That's, I think, first and foremost for a lot of junior students. Secondly, I think we can add a 30-minute low-intensity drilling session. And when I say low-intensity, it's paramount that we keep this session low intensity you know if you're drilling or you're training enough to to be at the risk for overtraining but there's no reason when you're drilling you need to get your heart rate over 150 right 100 yeah. yeah you're kind of resetting and hustling in between positions and then ultimately you want to pick up the speed in your technique but no take it slow continue to work mentally and physically in this and that can even count towards your like lsd work your aerobic base building type of stuff so um, i think we can add a 20 or 30 minute drilling session once or twice a week and i think that does relatively little harm to your overall training atmosphere mm-hmm. we used to do it all i mean it's it's very yeah. common in wrestling <laughs> yeah, absolutely <laughs> stay but after practice for 20 I w- minutes and i drill. would say in wrestling it's hard to keep it low intensity quote unquote but for sure for sure. But as low as low intensity as, as wrestling gets <laughs> get <in> wrestling. <laughs> right. Um, but all right, Alex, what is number two as far as tips? Number two is bread and butter. You know, the, what my career is all about is strength training, right? We talked mm-hmm. about strength being of paramount important in jujitsu because it's such a 
sports specific strength quality. Like you're literally holding position and, and trying to out muscle or out strength your opponent. So um, adding very targeted and appropriate logical strength training to your, again, training paradigm will help you perform at a higher level because now we can be stronger. We can be heavier. We can hold position better and or longer than our opponent. So when I say appropriate strength training, all I mean is um, shit that's not too intense, right? We don't need to be doing our your hit intervals. We don't need to be running through bodybuilding circuits. We don't need to be um, doing like one RMs every day or hitting our powerlifting type of, of movements. We can go into the gym. We're going to hit, you know, four by five, four by four on a trap bar deadlift. We're going to do a landmine press. We're going to do a lot of ipsilateral patterning, which is like our dead bug, or we can do payoff press type of stuff with that. Um, and this can still be relatively low intensity cardiovascularly. So again, it's low cost outside of your jujitsu practice. So adding in strength training, um, I talked a little bit, we're talking about isometric strength. We're talking about general basic strength. We're talking about getting correct biomechanics. Um, again, we've hit strength training so hard so many times on this podcast that I think just the point of adding that in, in a logical manner is going to do nothing, but allow you to see more success in the positions and the, the rolling that you're already doing. And it's not just about performance, right? It's, it's about staying on the mat. <laughs> Yeah. And so yeah. many jujitsu athletes just don't get that. You can't just roll for your overall health. If you're just rolling, you're going to like, it's, it's not, if you get injured, it's when you get injured, unfortunately. And I, 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 I hate saying it like that because it sounds like I'm like a, a catastrophizer, but it's true. <laughs> it, it's, it's a hundred percent true. It's not an, if it's a, when, and if every, or every single research article shows the stronger you are, the less likely you are to get injured. The stronger your joints are, the less likely that if somebody cranks on it, something is going to tear. We need you to be strong. And if you love doing this sport, whether you're recreational, whether you're a professional, whether you're a fighter, then you need to be strong to do it as long as you can. A lot of people want to do jujitsu into your late fifties, into your sixties. This is your favorite hobby. Guess what? The only way to do it that long is to be strong. You see these guys, the old guys at the gym that have the old man strength, guess what the fuck they do? They're probably the guys that also are lifting two to three times a week. I know at my gym they are, and I would assume at your gym they are, but for the most part, if you want to stay on the mat and be able to do this well into your 50s, well into your 60s, and make this a lifelong hobby, then you need to be strong. You need to implement strength and conditioning, and it's it doesn't have to be a boring-ass workout. You can hit your major muscle groups. You can, you can gamify it. You could have fun, make an entire group. Like I know that's something Alex that you do for the factory X jujitsu people that you right. offer this group class. Yeah, yeah. And I know, and I know you make it fun and you can do it with other people. Like I know like fight ready has a gym on site that if you have a membership for jujitsu, you get access to the weight room. It doesn't like, I don't think they do it right now, but it's something that should happen where there should be, just be a jujitsu workout of the day up there ready for them to go do. And you can do it with three or four people either before or after. It doesn't have to be an hour and a half, two hours, three hours in the gym. It can be a 30, 20 to 40 minute thing where you're just 
hitting major muscle groups to make sure that they're strong. And then you can either go into jujitsu right after that, or you can just go, you do that and you go home. That's just a part of your routine. But if you build it into your routine, you're going to do it. That's, that, that's all it is. You just have to make a routine because as you can sound, you hear, I'm passionate about this, but I'm passionate about this because I want people to enjoy their lives the best way they can. I see the happiness that jujitsu brings people, myself included, you included. And if you're not taking the proper steps to ensure you can do this long-term, then you're not going to be as happy. And life's about fucking being happy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. As simple as that is. And, And I like what you're talking about making it fun like the way i get a lot of people to enjoy it specifically is like we can end with just a little arm farm right mm-hmm. like jiu-jitsu you're, you're wearing tight clothing or you have your gi on or whatever everybody wants to look badass right like that's point blank hell yeah and with little arm farm like everybody enjoys that uh get everybody going and like feeling good looking good and then like and then as an almost like undercover agenda we're increasing your jiu-jitsu longevity and performance like that's yep. uh, again that's it's silly that that I mean, it's the le- least sexy topic, but it can be something that that is built in, and, and you make it fun. But the other thing with jujitsu is like you talked about, you have guys at your gym that um, are have the old man strength, and they're chronically strength training. Like I, I, sometimes I see the opposite of you know the guys that really only want to do jujitsu, and they say I don't really believe in that strength training stuff. Yet they're always the guy coming to you that's hurt and aching and this is going wrong and that's going wrong. And it's like, we can eliminate a lot of those like chronic aches and pains simply by being strong or simply by executing strength training twice or three times a week. Um, The chronic achy type of stuff is one overuse, right? We're only doing jujitsu. So we're only using this type of pattern and we're doing it repetitively. So your body's going to kind of scream back at you and say, this hurts because we're doing it so often strength training offers a good variability to counter that or correct that. And then the other thing is that joint is most likely just weak, just straight up weak. Because when we do jujitsu, as much as jujitsu focuses towards strength, it never gets to the threshold of strength. You're going to see in the weight room. Right. So even though, even if I'm trying to hold my, let's say I'm trying, I'm on the bottom side of guard and I'm trying to use my abs to stay up with the guy when they posture up, like, yeah, that's a little bit of a strength movement, but you're not getting near the core activation as you would on a really heavy trap bar deadlift. Mm-hmm. So your spine and your hips are weak because they never see that optimum threshold of strength, right? And so we need to fill that bucket. We can counter that. And then the next time when you're trying to stay in your guard position and they posture up, you can stay with them a lot easier because that's a way more submaximal effort. Um, so again, strengthening the joints and then we can eliminate a lot of those chronic low back, the chronic neck pain, the chronic grip uh, pain, the wrist and hand stuff that is all over jujitsu. Um, knee pain, man. Knee pain is exclusively, I shouldn't say exclusively, right? But is hip and ankle instability and weakness. That's where you For get the most part. Pain. Yeah. That's where you yeah. get your knee pain from. So if we can take, you know, two hours out of your week, we work on a lot of ankle stability. We work, we train barefoot because, and and this is a little bit of a misnomer I like to use. It's like you do jujitsu barefoot, so we do should do strength training barefoot. Like yes and no. That's kind of yeah, the reason. Not all right? the time, but okay. It's kind of the reason. Yeah. But we can do a lot of strength training barefoot because it teaches you optimal foot position and it does strengthen your foot more than when you're in a shoe. Yep. So I love doing strength training barefoot and it helps people ease into the gym more. It's like, oh, this is more like a jujitsu uh atmosphere than like a, a weightlifting app per se. Sure. So um long story short two three hours in your week strength training 
adds to your jujitsu, lets you stay on the mat longer, and then yeah, will increase performance as well, which is the side that I like to focus on. Mm-hmm. Well, it's cool. How I see strength training is is how I see drilling. In in all honesty, it's you find puzzle pieces. The cool thing about strength training and the cool thing about drilling are that you can focus on trying to like isolate variables and get better at different variables. That's all strength training is. I want to focus on the variable that is in front of me. And then with that variable in front of me, I want to be able to see all of these different things that I can get better at. If I'm having trouble in an arm bar, finishing an arm bar, maybe it could be hip extension where I'm, I'm really bad from that, trying to do a side, finishing at the side. Maybe it's from, I can't snatch the arm down and maybe my upper body is fatiguing. Well, those are different individual variables that I can train a little bit better. It's the same thing with drilling. If I'm having part, trouble with one part of the technique, then I can drill that one part of the technique over and over and over again. If I'm having trouble in my triangle, like if I, with a body triangle, guess what? I can train an isometric squeeze of my adductors over and over and over again until I get better at it. It breaks down variables into different puzzle pieces and allows me to put the puzzle pieces together in a little bit better or an efficient way. That's all strength training is. It's it, it's easy to understand when you break things down and that that's all we're trying to do. And that yeah. leads us into our next topic, which is, which is mobility. Yeah. Mobility, warming up, cooling down. These are easy things you can add in. It takes 10 minutes of your fucking day, mm-hmm. but it's going to pay huge dividends moving forward. If you don't have the hip range of motion to get into a butterfly guard, guess what? You can train that skill. It's just a puzzle piece. We broke down the individual variables. We found out that you lack internal and external rotation of your hips, which are crucial for being able to do jujitsu in an efficient way and not just fucking abuse your spine. And guess what? We can train your internal and external rotation before practice and in your cool down. It takes 10 minutes before and 10 minutes after. And then you're going to be able to over time, over the course of a couple months, a few months, be able to move a little bit more efficiently. You'll be able to get into patterns. Like we have a really cool case. It's not jujitsu, but it's wrestling is that in, in wrestling, if you want to stop a single leg, sometimes you get into a splits position or uh, if you're hitting a single leg, sometimes you you have to do what's called a shin box to actually finish the shot. Yeah, shit, you can do that in jujitsu. That's that happens a lot. True, true. But we had we work with Eastern Oregon University and and Dustin Azure, their head coach. He said, "I it's cool to see it actually play out." And what what we're saying work is that he sees his guys finishing single legs better. He sees his guys defending yeah. single legs better because of just training the range of motion and training mobility. They're able to get into positions that they weren't able to get into before. And it actually works. <laughs> it allows them to get more points. It allows them to get in different positions. It allows them to not have as much pain and wrestle more matches. And all of this can be done in 10 to 15 minutes. So I don't under like it's so low cost. And well, so high reward. I don't understand why people don't add it into their warmups and their cooldowns. Well, that's like everything else. It's it's not sexy, so it's kind of boring, and we end up skipping it. Like that's exactly the pitfall. Like my I myself have fallen into with like strength training. It's like I want to do the deadlifts. I want to do cleans. I want to do you know single leg strength, like the exciting stuff. So what do I end up do? I end up skipping my warm up, or I end up just half assing right. And like as much as I know that's in my head a bad habit. It's like if I have to, a lot of the times it's the decision of do I have to commit 100% to this warm up? I'm probably not going to do the workout. Or can I skip the warm up, bullshit it a little bit, and then I'll actually do the workout? So I can see where, again, that decision making process happens. And yes, it shouldn't happen all the time. And that's where recently I jumped on the program that we wrote, right? And I was like, I text Austin right at the beginning. I was like, man, 
this warm up and mobility part, this is the hardest part of the workout, man. <laughs> because I myself have fallen into the bad habits of skipping my cool down, skipping my warm up, not hitting the mobility as I should. But Austin's exactly right. Um, again, you watch that black belt professor, you're like, man, how does he throw up that that triangle from his guard so easy? Man, how does he get into that go go plata position? And it's like I'll never have the hip mobility to do that. It's like no bullshit. You just have to be dedicated and and put in the consistent work. And over time, you'll see that mobility. You'll see that come through. So I think it's a it's the power of habits, right? Once we establish our warm up routine, once we establish our cool down routine, and then. My favorite thing, because I look at mobility like vegetables, I'm not super keen on doing it. And the other factors, I'm pretty bad at it, right? I superset it into my strength training. So again, two birds, one stone, right? So during your rest break, which proper strength training is supposed to take, you know, 90 seconds, 60 to 90 to 120 even seconds in between your big strength sets, Mm -hmm. put a low level, low intensity mobility into those. like. sure. Recently, I've been loving our, our sideliding shoulder sweeps. Those have opened up my T-spine like no other. I hardly do a session without doing those before now. And one, they feel good. Like, it's mm-hmm. going to feel good. And you're going to open up a lot of range of motion. So in your strength training sessions, plug in some of these mobilities that, again, just make your training more efficient overall. Maybe it's not 10 or 15 minutes after practice. Like, I get it. Sometimes you got to literally run out of the gym to to pick up your kid, to get to the next session, to go to work, whatever. All right, so the cool down period doesn't work for me. Where can I put in my mobility? Maybe I show up, you know, 10 minutes earlier, you put it into that. Maybe I have to layer it into my strength training, and my strength training now becomes, you know, a little bit more of a hybrid strength mobility session, which is great. I think those are all optimal habits to start building as long as we stay consistent. Well, maybe you throw it into the skill training. Like we have a lot of skill coaches that listen to this. So before you break out, before you go from the drilling portion to live, everybody has to do two sets of hip switches each, two sets of 10 hip switches each way, two sets of sideline shoulder sweeps each way. It takes four minutes and it's not going to hurt the people in the class. I promise you, it's only going to help them. (laughs) And one of my favorite things is when in between your quote unquote, like general warm up, your jujitsu shrimp down the map type bullshit. Um, sorry, it's not bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> hit a hit a day specific mobility. Like those are some of my favorite. I think money drills is like when your opponent just stands there as a base for you, and then you do the movement around them. Or they uh, like we were doing again. We were doing reaps or iminaris the other day. So your opponent literally just stood in a triangle with their feet a little bit spread out. Mm-hmm. You hooked yourself around their foot and you threw up your feet on them. Right? It's like that drill where your partner is just a post for you in my eyes is so money because you get again, reps at the movement. You can do that same shit with mobility. So it's like, Mm -hmm. all right, today uh, let's think of an example on a fly. Um, We're going to be going for uh, omoplatas, right? Okay. So we're going to start with hip car. You know, you can go to a quadruped position or laying on your back. Let's open up your hip ranges of motion. Let's try and move the foot internally rotated. And then that position is going to be a lot more accessible once we start actually hitting the technique of our drill. Right. And and for the defensive person as well, all right? So they're going yeah. into forced internal rotation of the shoulder if they're throwing up omoplatas. Well, guess what? We can also train that. We have our athletes do, they go from hip switches right into prone swimmers. We're training the mm-hmm. internal rotation where it's behind the up back. We try to get your arm as high as you can. So we're training hip shoulder extension with internal rotation at the same time. Guess what? You're probably going to have less tweaks, less injuries through that session if you yeah. prep the tissue first. That's all mobility is. It's prepping tissue. 
And if you do that before you go into the drills or you do that after the drills before you go live, because again, if we're talking about getting better at jujitsu, you should probably try to do the move of the day. Like you should probably try to implement what you just learned into your live roles at the end. If you do that in the breakout before practice and right after they get done with their drilling session, they're more likely to feel comfortable in that position because they know they can control the range of motion. Yeah, it's not a hundred percent. Mobility isn't just about injury prevention, which I feel like a lot of people think it is. Like it's it's just how I talk about like strength conditioning is it's it is injury prevention as well, but it's mostly people look at it like performance. Mobility yeah. isn't just injury prevention; it's also performance. If I can get into a range of motion and make my brain understand that that range of motion is okay, I'm probably going to be safer in that position. The more safe my brain feels like I am, the better I can control the range of motion. The better I can work out of it. If I think that I can only get to 30 degrees of shoulder internal rotation, which for the people listening, like that, that's not a lot of shoulder internal right. rotation, then I'm going to tap really fucking quick. If I know that I can get to 80 to 90 degrees of internal rotation, so triple that, well, guess the fuck what? I'm not going to tap. I know I'm safe here and I can start working my way out. I know that I can start moving through different positions and I can fight this. I'm not just going to immediately give up. Well, and, and a little bit of a bragging point to the to the point you're just making is like, guess how many times I've tapped to an Americana? Uh, I'm guessing the answer is zero. Zero. Because I'm comfortable with that range of motion. I know where my shoulder is. You haven't seen mine yet, Alex. You haven't seen mine yet. (laughs) You ain't never going to fucking tap me at all, ever. (laughs) Um, But no, like, I understand the external rotation of my shoulder and I understand where it can go. And then I also understand that, I mean, obviously how to get out of it, but um, I'm relatively comfortable there. Um, So it's like understanding that within your own body, the mobility can give you the confidence to do that. But um, God, I had an original point that I was going to get back to. It's okay. You're so worried about me tapping you now that you said that, that you forgot your point. Cause you know, uh, the first time we the roll, case. I'm going to hit you in a twister and shit's going to be not over. the case at all. I was going to say prepping the tissue. That was the, the phrase that you said that I really honed in on. It's like prepping the tissue because as coaches we can be, and I think this is a hugely missed opportunity we got to be way more intentional and way more purposeful with our warm-up movements, mm-hmm. with our, our uh, pre-practice warm-ups. Like there, there is, yes, a good warm-up, get the heart rate going, get a little sweat going, blah, blah, blah. We can do that in such a more intentional way that I think it's worth mentioning to our skill coaches is like make your day on theme, right? It's like what are we doing for our movement? Okay, we can prep that way better in the warm-up than our typical go through these general patterns and this is our – our, our progression when we strip down the mat, jog back, cartwheels down the mat, jog back. Like, like, sure, that stuff's cool and fun and all that, whatever. Let's add some more specific pieces into the warm up to specifically prep the tissue. And then you, the other thing that you said that I honed down on was said less tweaks, less injuries when we're doing drilling or getting into our live rolls, yep. right? Which is our next five things you're missing in jujitsu. This is the fourth thing is actually getting injuries checked out, right? Yeah. Actually investigating what the fuck is wrong and why does my elbow hurt every day look i you guys know this is my this is my world this is yeah. what i talk to about people all the time and what i always comes down to is if you think that it's not a big deal right say easy example for jujitsu is you have a little bit of neck pain but you feel some weird tingling that goes all the way down to your thumb or to your pinky right you're like oh fuck it that's not a big deal you just keep rolling just keep rolling just keep rolling well two months pass and that 
disc herniation that was just a mild disc herniation now might have sequestered might it might have turned into an extrusion it might it might be fucking really really bad now well guess what if you would have just hey this numbness is fucking weird you would have gotten that checked out within the first two three weeks we probably had a plan to get rid of that like we take away the symptoms we make you roll you'll probably be back rolling within a matter of um six weeks right? You waited, you waited, it got worse. Guess what? You're probably out for two years or you're going to go to some, uh, not all surgeons are dickhead, or you're going to go to some dickhead that says you can never roll again. And you believe them, even though it's probably not true. And you're done with jujitsu, your favorite hobby for the rest of your life, because you didn't fucking get this checked out on the front. I've seen that happen. Like I've, I've talked to one, two, I've talked six people out of surgery at this point because, and it's because I was their last option. If they would have, and they went to the surgeon because they just waited, 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 it got really, really bad. And they went straight to an orthopedic surgeon. And right. that's not to say orthos are bad. I love orthos. I have a lot of, in I have buddies right that context. are orthos, but right for the most part, if you get things checked out within the first couple weeks, if actually my rule, here's my rule. If you have any sort of symptoms, pain, numbness, tingling, weakness that you aren't used to that last more than three days, consult a healthcare professional. If you don't, that's that that's an issue. That's that's no longer just soreness. That's no longer just a tweak. That's a fucking issue. Yeah. There's a reason why we go to all this school. It's in order to help you. And obviously sometimes there's financial concerns. That's that's the only way that it makes sense. But for the most part, you need to get these injuries checked out because like I said before about strength training, our jobs, me and Alex's jobs is to keep you on the mat doing your hobby as long as humanly possible because you fucking love this thing. It makes you happy. It doesn't make you happy. You're not as happy of a person. At least I'm not when I'm not on a mat, right? I'm At least my wife has told me, she's like, you're just not the same person when you're not doing wrestling. And I'm like, I agree. It's my way. It's my way to be happy. It's my, it's my release. It allows me to, to be me. And I know a lot of people feel like that. And it bugs me that it's a part of the culture that it's almost like it almost forces you. The culture is so bravado and, oh, just get the fuck through it. Just roll through it that it forces some people to not allow themselves to be happy. It takes happiness away from them just because of the culture. When in reality, if we flip the culture, if we tell people that it's okay to go get checked out, it's not a weakness. If you feel some sort of injury, it's okay. It's a hundred percent normal. That's going to lead to a better culture a, but it's also going to lead to you being able to be on the mat. It's going to avoid the blue belt curse, which a large portion of the blue belt curse with for the people that are wrestlers listening, blue belts, typically you get your blue belt and you never just, you just leave the gym. You're never seen from again. A lot of those are injuries. A lot of those are, hey, you just pushed past your threshold. You had too much rain in your bucket and it overflowed. And then you're like, this shit ain't worth it. When in reality, if you would have got that checked out, we could have drained your bucket a little bit and you can keep going. You get past the blue belt. You get to purple belt. You get to actually start like fine tuning details and, and get to the next level of the sport, which that's why you started. If you have a passion, if you love something, continue to do it and don't let these small tweaks that if you get them checked out, aren't going to be a big deal, turn into a big deal just because you're too fucking tough. Right. And speaking on performance, speaking on get to the next level, like if you're injured or chronically hurting, your practice is not as meaningful. It's not as worth it per se, right? You're, you're going to continue to practice at 60, 65% capacity because, oh man, Hey, uh, I did some of my elbow. Can you take a light on this roll? Or like, Hey, uh, I can't do the training session because, uh, my low back has been killing me, but uh, I'll do the technique. It's like, you're practicing at a lower, lower, lower 
um, capacity and getting way less meaningful hours because of the ego, because of the bravado, because of the culture of like, nah, just just tough it out, man. Or like, there's nothing actually wrong. You know what? Whatever. Like, if you want to actually be at your highest level of performance, make your hours in training more worth it. Get the injury checked out. Get it. Get actual advice from a healthcare professional. Figure out what's going on. You know, and I think there's so much mental health to go along with that like once you know what's going on you're way less tense you're way less worried about it. you're way less worried am i going to make this worse you're way less um you know stressed am i going to be able to make that competition like sometimes you know this your elbow hurts or some shit hurts for two or three days you follow austin rules you go get checked out and doctor's like oh yeah that's just some inflammation you'll be fine keep rolling or you know skip the the live rolls for three or four days see if it goes away like sometimes it's that simple and like, even mm-hmm. if it's not that big of a deal, I personally feel so much better knowing that it's not that big of a deal rather than constantly guessing if it's not that big. Well, my favorite is uh, I'm at a, I go to a gym and you see this guy and he does practice. And then he sits out for like three or four rolls at a time. And I go out, of course, I'm the guy that asks questions because I love fucking helping people. This you guys, again, you hear the passion of my voice. My favorite fucking thing to do is to help people. And I go over and I'm like, hey, why aren't you rolling? And they say, oh, it's my back's locking up. This just, it just happens. It's a thing that happens to me. Yeah. It'll, it'll be, it'll be fine. It in a, in an, it'll be fine in a couple minutes. I'm like, have you ever seen the meme where it's like, where it's the doctor and they're like, how much pain are you in? Oh, it's, it's like a three or four, but that's normal. And then the doctor responds, uh, well, a normal zero. So <laughs> no, it's not normal. That that's yeah. literally the case. Just be, if it happens every time, don't feel like you're stuck, right? Because guess what? That three or four is going to turn into a five or a six. That five or a six is going to turn into an eight or a nine. Once it gets to an eight or a nine, you're going to stop going to jujitsu. You're going to think it's not worth it, right? It's oh, yeah. it, this is going to set me back for two days. I can't I can't go to work for two days because my back's hurting. And you're going to just stop your hobby when in reality, that normal to you isn't fucking normal. You need you, just go get it assessed. If you yeah. get like just like Alex said, you could go into you can go into somebody like me. Uh, and typically, if P, if you go to a healthcare practitioner that understands combat sports or understands grappling, hashtag sign up for the building a fighter healthcare courses in the future. Um, they are going to be able to figure out, hey, is this a big deal or is this just a minor thing? Right. If you go to a quality healthcare professional and they just tell you it's a minor thing, not a big, it's not a big deal. It'll go away. But that peace of mind in getting it assessed, like if you walk into me and you you think it's not a big deal because your back's locking up, but then you also, I do a slump test, a straight leg raise, and um, and do some sort of bracing maneuver, and it sends radiating pain down to your fucking big toe. Guess what? That's no longer a minor deal. That's something that we have to address, or else I know for a fact this is going to get worse. I know for a fact this is going to stop you from doing jujitsu in the future. Or it could just be a muscle spasm. It could just be a constant muscle spasm that happens to you. And then I say, hey, just, hey, you're, you are just, this is just something that happens. It's going to go away. It's not a big deal. You can go back to rolling and it's only going to take another week or two and then it'll be gone. Well, and the piece of that too is like, that's me, the constant muscle spasm thing. Like you can give me a chronic recipe that's going to help, right? Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. Like I've been yeah. doing my uh, prone press ups, my dead bugs, and my breathing. I do those almost every day, if not five times a week. And simply doing those has prevented, I know for a fact, prevented three or four uh, low back, you know, whatever episodes. Yeah. Yeah, Flare ups where I have to sit out for a week or two. Like again, since 2018, since I really hurt my back when I was wrestling, I 
um, have pretty reliably had flare-ups every four to five, six months right? since 2018 for years. And then I followed our building fighter low back course that we have on our website. And I started doing the prone press-ups. I started doing the dead bugs and I started doing the, the bracing and the breathing with the core. I do those damn near before every uh, workout or I just do them at the beginning of the day. Um, before my sessions and I haven't had an episode in 14 months, you know, and like, and I've been rolling more than I've ever been rolling. Um, I've been a little bit more consistent in my lifting. I mean, work gets in the way, all this work, quote unquote, but I know that those things, those daily maintenance things, you know, those exercises that PT gives you, like those are going to make a difference if you stay consistent and religious to them. But now we're packaging them better than that. Like, post visit oh do this two or three times a day do this for 15 to 12 reps like like that homework shit that's not going to actually stick like package that in a different way and put it into your warm-up routine put it into this but you're not going to get that stuff unless you go get looked at or you go get your your chronic pain checked out right well and and i'd like to address something that like i know a lot of people when i when i bring this up in person to people they're like well i just don't want to have to keep going back i don't want to have to keep getting treatment Guess what? A quality healthcare professional, they're going to give you the tools to fix this shit on your own. And sometimes that means taking some time off. And sometimes that you you try not to do that and maybe it doesn't go your way. But exactly what Alex is saying, if I'm doing my job as a healthcare professional, I'm not making you come see me forever. I'm giving you the tools to do this on your own. And then if you feel these symptoms in the future, guess what? You just jump into those. And if for whatever reason those don't work, then you come back and get assessed again. But for the most part, you should have the tools to try to fix this on your own moving forward. And then that's what's trying that's what we're trying to focus on moving forward and getting you better and keeping you on the mat. Because then exactly what Alex is saying, you have the protocols in place that if you start feeling a twinge, if you start feeling any sort of issue, then you can just move forward into the practice at a little bit lower clip or a little bit lower um, intensity after you do those warmups. And then you can just keep going. Maybe you modify, which is another thing. I'm not going to get into modification because that's going to take me on another 20 minute rant. But modifying practice is another thing that you should be okay doing because it keeps you on the mat. Sometimes you just have to avoid some certain thing. But right, and and so that leads you to a lot of like a like a new process, right? So modifications Mm -hmm. are are their own thing, and then we'll leave them there. But um, adding in the mobility, adding in the strength work, going to get your injuries checked out. Like that just continues to evolve our process in training, our routines, our habits. And I think again, for a lot of the reasons that we're saying, it's going to bring us to a higher level. Um, and my transition here, what I'm actually trying to get to is it doesn't matter if you're training at a higher level or you've seen those habits, if you personally don't see the success in them, mm-hmm. right? Cause like we've all been there where coach or boss or somebody just continues to take, do this thing. Do, why do I do this thing? Do it because I said so, or do it. It's for your own good. Do this, do this. Like, I feel like a lot of that is not worth it unless you yourself realize the benefit that is paying out. And the way that you can realize that benefit is through reflection or through mm-hmm. a post-practice journal or through visualization, post-practice, some type of actual purposeful reflection to see, am I getting better? Was this practice an improvement or did it make me feel worse? Um, adding that in on the the backside, which this is our fifth thing that you're missing is a reflective journal or some type of post-practice reflection. Is my process getting better? Ask yourself some of those difficult questions. And, and for a lot of people, it, it's actually a fun practice because you're digging into your own favorite topic, which is yourself. Um, so you get to see, am I actually getting better through this reflective practice or 
um, you're not going to maintain that habit if you don't see the the benefits from it. Well, so I've, I've fallen prey to this where, so I, I've said it again at nauseum. I've got a lot of head trauma. Memory ain't the greatest. <laughs> um, I was at about three or four weeks ago, we were doing some sort of X guard into an arm bar type scenario. I don't remember the steps right now. Right. I, I don't. I completely forgot them. I don't know how to get there. Probably when I get onto the mat, I'll be able to kind of get there, but I don't, I don't know the steps that which I drilled and I took an hour of my day to drill. Amen. If I had my journal, which is what I used to do when I went to wrestling camps and wrote down those steps immediately after I was done or when I was done with practice and wrote them down in the locker room before I left, guess what? I would have knowledge. I would have a day. Hey, I did this on this exact day. These are the steps of what I learned. That allows me to grow as a practitioner. That allows me to grow as an athlete. It's something that the greats do. Yeah. Uh, like I'm listening to Tools of Titans by uh, Tim Ferriss right now. And journaling and reflection is one of the things that keeps getting brought up in every single guest that he has yeah. on this fucking book is that they talk about reflecting on their days or reflecting on their practices or reflecting on their work. And that allows them to move forward. Because if you don't know what you did that day, if you can't put into words what you did, it's a waste. It's a well, fucking waste. Yeah, and it makes your time way more worth it because there, there's an actual value there. I, I fall prey to it, just like you said all the time, where it's like I'm I'm the coach's favorite student because I can hit the move of the day like almost every day mm -hmm. in our live roles. But that's because I forgot everything else that we practiced up until that point. Like, yes, this is the move of the day. It's fresh on my mind, so I'm going to try and hit it in our live roles. Because I don't really remember that armbar that we hit last week mm -hmm. because I didn't take the time to meaningfully process it and, and put it into my brain, which if we're talking about rules for uh, reflection and are killing two birds with one stone, making this more efficient, instead of adding five different things to your practice, you can add two things. Drilling. Drilling is a great reflective practice. You know, take yep. 10, 15 minutes after your practice to drill it or come back the next day knowing your steps or with your coach and hit that drill again. Right. Yep. So it's like uh, we can add our mobility and strength training together. We can add our drilling and reflection together and then, you know, going to get an injury checked out. So that's maybe three things that you add into your whole training paradigm rather than five different additional things two to three times a week. And so I can see where that becomes like a bear. It's like, I already barely have enough time to go to jujitsu layer these things together and you can get so much more bang for your buck out of the times that you do make it to jujitsu. Yep. So that's uh that's my two cents when it comes to reflection is like layer it into your habits, layer it into doing multiple things at the same time. And then, you know, one, make your time way more meaningful and it's way more bang for your buck. It's 20, 30 minutes extra quote unquote, but it's going to make the hour and a half or two hours that you practices practiced way more meaningful. Well, at this point in time, ref not reflecting is inexcusable. Every single person I know has a phone, right? Every True. single phone nowadays has a talk to text function. If you just talk to text the steps of what you did into a Google note or an Apple note or whatever, and to just, just a voice message to yourself in the future, that takes two minutes, maybe. Right. Like the entire practice, you could sum up in maybe two minutes. That's 100%. It's inexcusable to not do that after if you want to get better. If you're just doing it as a passive hobby, not not a big deal. You don't have to do this. Right. We're, talking, we're talking for the people that want to elevate their levels, the people that want to get better at what they're doing. The this is an inexcusable. Exactly. A hundred percent. The people that we want to work with, if you want to get better at anything, it's inexcusable to not just do a, a reflection into your phone, a voice note that is going to help you remember what you just did.
Well, and there's a note there too, that as you get better and as you enhance your reflective practices, because again, just like jujitsu, there's ways to enhance all of these habits that we're talking about. You get to know what type of reflection works for you, Yep. right? Like it, that can be personalized as well. Like Austin's doing the talk to text. And I know he uses that frequently and it works for him. For me, not so much. I'm not a really a, a vocal type of learner, auditory learner. So I know whatever I write down, I'm going to remember like mm-hmm. pen and paper right with my hand. So that's where the journal comes into play. And that's what is most effective for me. Um, that's why I was a chronic note taker. That's why this and that, if I write things down or I take time to process them, they stick in my brain a lot more. Some people, a lot of athletes are kinesthetic learners. That's why we brought up the drilling for reflection, right? Because the more your body sees it, the more you, you, you flow through that position, the better you're going to remember it because that's how you learn is your physical touch or your kinesthetics. So you can enhance this process by learning how you learn the best. Um, and I think that that's a worthwhile piece to mention when we talk about reflection yeah so um but yeah i think that's that's our five things that you need to add to your jujitsu practice to make them to make it way more meaningful and as i said it doesn't have to be multiple hours commitment added on to your training already put your strength and mobility training together that's two hours a week Uh, put your reflective practice together with your drilling that's one hour a week maybe um when shit hurts go get it checked out and that's gonna save you time on the back end rather than sitting out six months you can take a week or two light and then do the right things i should say that i should concess that because a lot of people something hurts and they just take a week or two light to try and let it heal on its own right take a week or two light and do the right things that a healthcare practitioner have given you that will actually solve the problem rather than letting it hurt for six months and then sitting out a year or whatever so ultimately all this is going to save you time make your practice more effective and help you progress in your practice way quicker, way easier as you go on. Um, so that's all I have to say about that. That's all I got to <laughs> say about that. I feel like I say that almost every summary or wrap up, <laughs> but um, anyway, this is Billion Fighter. Check out our page. We referenced a lot of tools that we're giving you on our website, the low back guide, the, uh, jujitsu practitioner learning course. That's about to be up there. Um, also, we got merch. We got our crew neck sweaters that I think about four or five people have messaged us wearing and that we're wearing currently on the podcast. So investigate all that stuff. That's all on our website, on our Instagram page. There's a lot of quality information on our Instagram page. We pride ourselves on sharing meaningful content, not just, you know, spamming a bunch of, of things to get in your face. We try and help you. I might start sharing a booty pic here and there of myself. Nobody wants to see that, Austin. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we pride ourselves on meaningful content. Uh, booty pics are seldom on our page. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, go check us out regardless. But with Billion Fighter, this is Alex Friedman. Dr. Austin Shane. We are out.